Can you afford to invest in yourself? Perhaps the better question is, can you afford not to? Welcome to this episode of the Bites of Judaism podcast with Rabbi Yisrael Glick, helping you unlock your best life, know your why, and be everything you were born to be. This podcast has been made possible by Mr. and Mrs. Dovid and Malki Smetana. In this special Tisha B'Av episode, I want to talk about the cost and ROI of investing in ourselves. This podcast exists on all the big popular podcasting platforms. Go to rabbiglick.link slash podcast, and that link will give you the option to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform. Now let's get back to what I really want to talk about today. And investing in ourselves is not overtly the topic or the theme of Tisha B'Av at all, but the truth is when we dig a little bit deeper, and later on I want to talk about exactly how and why, Investing in ourselves really is very much a very big theme of Tisha B'Av. And before we get to how and why it's connected to Tisha B'Av, I want to talk a little bit first about the idea generally of investing in ourselves. Now, investing in ourselves has a lot in common with, you know, with generally investing. When we talk about investing generally, when you hear the term investing just generically, what it refers to generally, what people mean by that is investing in our future financial well-being. What what does investing mean? Right? Let's talk about that for just for a second about the definition of investing. Investing means allocating resources to a specific undertaking in the belief that this undertaking will result in a positive outcome that justifies that allocation of resources. Hence the term ROI, return on investment, right? The investment is the allocation of resources. We allocate resources when we talk about investing in our financial well-being. Generally, we're investing money. We're allocating money towards an undertaking, which may be the stock market. It may be a business, whatever it is. And we do that with the understanding and belief that allocating resources to buy shares in this company, in this range of companies, in this business, whatever it is, is going to contribute to our long-term financial well-being to a degree that justifies investing that money and not having it available to spend, right? So that's what investing means. Investing means we allocate resources to something because we believe that it will give us a return on that investment. It'll give us a positive outcome that makes it worthwhile to allocate those resources rather than have them immediately available for other uses. Um, so generally, we talk about investing. People think of it as investing, let's say, in the stock market, in startups, whatever it is. So we invest in our financial well-being, in our future fi- long-term financial well-being, let's say. That's what we generally think of when we talk about investing, or most people do anyway. Um, you know, we can invest in the stock market. We can invest in our own business. And again, it's the same thing. When we invest in our business, we take money that we have. We generally, I mean, people invest a lot of time and effort into their own businesses too. But let's talk about just even if it's the money. If we're investing money into our own business, that means we're taking money that belongs to us personally, allocating it to be used for that business to help the business grow and be able to maybe scale up and become more profitable to a degree that will justify the fact that we don't have that money available for spending because it's made the business grow so much that it's going to give us a return on that investment. It's going to make the business sufficiently more profitable to make it worthwhile to not have that money available to spend. So we can 
invest in, you know, in a stock portfolio, we can invest in our, in our own business. And now understanding what investing means, the term investing means allocating resources to something with the understanding and expectation it'll give us a positive outcome that'll make it worthwhile. So what does that mean when we talk about investing in ourselves? It means the same thing. It means allocating resources, and those resources may be time, maybe effort, it may be money, maybe other things, but those are probably, you know, the three really big ones. In allocating those resources towards developing ourselves, towards making us improving ourselves, making ourselves better than we were or better than we are now in the future, becoming better, developing ourselves. That's what personal development means, developing our person with the understanding and or hope that the benefit that we'll get by the improvements that we'll have as we develop ourselves will make it worth having spent that money rather than having spent it on other things, which is why it's an investment. We're investing in ourselves, allocating resources to improve ourselves because the benefit, the positive outcome, the ROI will be worthwhile and will justify having spent that money. And all the different things, you know, we can invest in ourselves with education. We can strengthen maybe a specific skill set that we want to get better at and that we think will will contribute somehow to the value of our lives, to our quality of life, maybe to our, you know, to our professional capacity, our capacity to earn whatever it might be. We can invest in our health, in our well-being. And anytime we want to improve our you know, our skill sets, our just our our level of education, our health, whatever it is, in order to grow and to develop ourselves, to achieve self-development and develop in any of these areas, we need to invest. We need to allocate resources in order to make that happen. It doesn't happen by itself. We don't just wake up one morning and all of a sudden we know more about something and we're better educated or all of a sudden our skill set has just grown and all of a sudden we're better at something or all of a sudden we're just healthier overnight. It it doesn't work that way. The way that we become better educated, the way that we improve our skills, the way that we strengthen our skills, the way that we improve our health is by investing time generally time and effort and possibly also money into making that happen, into making those happen, to making those improvements and developing ourselves in these areas. Now, it's not, this is not primarily what I want to focus on, but it is important to mention. It's very important to clarify. And so I want to just, you know, touch on it maybe for a minute or so. The investing in our own personal physical health and the Baal Shem Tov, who was the founder of the Hasidic movement, he one of the sayings that he's very well known for was that he said it in Yiddish originally, obviously, but the, it translates in English to mean that a small hole in the body results in a large hole in the soul. And, you know, there's a lot of focus and a lot of emphasis for a lot of people in, you know, developing the soul and building the strength of our soul and, and developing ourselves internally and spiritually, etc. But ultimately, none of that can come to any fruition or be effective or make a difference in our life or anyone else's if we're not physically healthy, if we don't have the health and the strength to be able to allow those improvements to manifest in action in our interactions with the world around us and our interactions with people around us every day. So for 
personal for spiritual personal development to be worthwhile it's important to be as healthy as we can and the Baal Shem Tov, despite being primarily focused on to a degree I guess to spiritual progress spiritual growth spiritual achievements he made it very clear and made sure that we should never forget and lose focus of the fact that in order for that to matter and to be worthwhile we have to also make sure that we maintain the health of our bodies. We have to be physically healthy to the degree that we're able to because without a healthy body, a healthy soul can't do its job. And so physical health is the foundation of our soul's ability to to do anything, to be effective and for investment in personal spiritual growth to be effective and worthwhile. So, you know, the first investment in our spiritual well-being Perhaps, maybe not the first, but an important foundation in our spiritual well-being is investing in the health of our body. And the physical health is the foundation of our ability to be spiritually productive and effective. And, you know, working on and investing in the health of our bodies improves also has a tremendous effect that's becoming more and more recognized in the data and in research every day. It affects, it has tremendous tremendous impact on our mental health, on our emotional health. And again, it's ultimately the foundation and the basis of our spiritual health as well. So, you know, investment number one in ourselves, even if our primi- primary pursuit is, is spiritual growth and development, is making sure that our body is healthy, is making sure that we're getting as much exercise as we can and making sure that we're eating as healthy as we can. And again, both of those are investments, right? It, Exercise takes time. Exercise takes effort by definition. Eating well takes focus. It takes thought. It takes intentionality. Generally, it takes either more time and or money than just eating quick, sloppy, unhealthy food. So again, that's already an investment. We have to allocate time and effort and or money in order to improve our health. So that's without question, the first and most important investment in ourselves, even if our ultimate priority is, is, you know, internal, spiritual, mystical, whatever we want to call it, personal development, all of that rests on a foundation of physical health. So that's the first investment in ourselves. And another one, obviously, also is going to be sleeping more, right? Getting enough sleep allows the exercise and the food to do its job. A lot of the work, a lot of the benefit happens when we're asleep. Clarity, state of mind, mental health, emotional health rely very heavily also on getting enough sleep. And getting enough sleep obviously takes time. We have to allocate time. We have to allocate those seven plus hours a night to sleep, even though there are other things that we feel pressured to get done. So we're investing time in order to be healthy and mentally and emotionally well and alert, etc., for a lot of people, we have to invest effort because we get distracted and we may want to keep scrolling on social media or doing some more work. But if we know that ultimately we'll get more done and be healthier and more effective, if we're getting enough sleep, we have to invest the effort, allocate effort right now to say it's hard, but I'm going to get to bed and get my sleep. So all of these things are investments we have to make in order to have our physical health. Then once, you know, once we get past that and making sure we're in optimum health, we're getting our exercise, we're eating well, etc. There are other layers we can build on top of that. We can invest in ourselves again by 
growing a skill set, adding a new skill set, which again is going to take time, it's going to take effort, and it's very possibly going to take money today, obviously, that, you know, we have more um, free options available than ever if we have the time to do the research and figure things out. But either way, it definitely takes time and effort. So we have to allocate those resources. We want to develop ourselves. It requires investment the same way that that growing wealth in addition to work. But right, one of the things I think it was Rich Dad Poor Dad that he emphasizes this idea that I think that's where it's from. I may be wrong off the top of my head, that investing in the pursuit of wealth means making your money work for you instead of working for your money. So your wealth is being generated by your money that's doing work on your behalf rather than you having to do the work to generate that money, right? If you want to generate that wealth, you can either invest time and effort in doing work to generate money and or you can allocate money to, you know, to to pursuits, to businesses, to whatever it is that will allow that money to grow and generate profit. But we have to allocate resources to make it happen. The only way to make income, generate income is either generally, roughly speaking, is to either do work or to to allocate time and effort to do work that's going to generate revenue or to allocate money to invest it in businesses, in a market, whatever it is to generate. So again, it's investment, it's allocating resources to to generate, to allow, to facilitate a positive outcome. And when, you know, it's the same thing growing a skill set, you want to grow your skill set, we have to allocate time, effort, and possibly also money. So now on top of all that, right, investing in our health and well be and investing in our health primarily there's another layer of self-development that I want to primarily really focus on. Another variety of investing in ourselves. Another variety of allocating resources, time and effort primarily. This one's not going to be as much of money. I mean, money always helps to get things done across the board. But primarily here, it's going to be allocating time and money, which is an investment, investing, allocating time and money, to generate a positive outcome. And here's the key to generate a positive outcome. If something, if you put money into a market and the, you end up with less money than you started with or with the same amount of money that you started with, that wasn't a good investment because it didn't generate a positive outcome that justifies not having had that money in your pocket the whole time, right? The point of an investment is to get an ROI, a return on your investment, to get back enough that it was worth letting go of those resources and not using them on something else. That's the only time it's a good investment. So if we want to make a good investment, if you're going to make a good investment, you want to be allocating your resources to something that will grow or benefit you sufficiently to make that allocation of resources, that investment worthwhile. And one of the places that we can generate perhaps one of the greatest and most worthwhile returns on any investment is investing, allocating resources to increase, to build, to deepen, to strengthen our sense of purpose and meaning. And having a sense of purpose and meaning, having a sense of purpose and meaning, it sounds nice, it sounds fluffy, it sounds like all these things, right? It sounds cliched. But the fact is, 
a sense of purpose and meaning are very far from being fluffy and the benefits and values are very far from being fluffy. They're very strongly recognized in data today. Having a strong sense of meaning and purpose leads to longer lifespan, lead to very simple longevity, living longer on average. It leads to a profound and powerful increase in quality of life and well-being. And sense of meaning and purpose are some of the most powerful and influential factors in our general when, general well-being and quality of life. And the sense that the key to having a strong sense of purpose and meaning is going to be having a clear sense of why we're here. What are we here for? Why are we alive? Why do we exist on planet Earth? And when we understand why we're here, if we understand it clearly, that should and will, if it's correct, if our perception of why we're here is correct, that's going to give us a very strong sense of purpose. And when we understand the fact that our life matters and it makes a difference and the things we do through the course of our day matter and do make a difference and make a permanent impact that can never be undone, that gives tremendous meaning to every minute of every, of every day. It gives meaning to getting out of bed. It gives m- meaning to eating breakfast. It gives meaning to everything because everything we do contributes to our achievements throughout the day. And those achievements, the thing that we achieve, make a difference. The contributions that we make to the world make a difference and they do matter. And when we know that what we do matters, and it's a part of an infinite, infinitely large picture, and our purpose, our individual purposes, each of our individual purposes, is part of an infinite collective purpose. And each of our individual purposes is necessary and makes a difference, and the actions that we take and the things that we achieve matter, and are a part of something infinite, are a part of a divine plan, are a part of 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 time and space and the purpose and meaning of time and space and why it all exists, that gives incredible and profound meaning to the things we do. Even not just the primary things that feel like they have purpose and meaning, but even the secondary things that we do, if they contribute to our primary objectives and our primary pursuits, it also has meaning. It also matters because we can't get our primary pursuits done if we don't if we don't take care of secondary things and we don't take care of all the minor details. So every minor detail has purpose and every minor detail matters and makes a difference and has meaning. And having this sense of purpose and sense of meaning is going to increase our focus. It's going to increase our energy and increase our drive. And when we have a stronger focus and energy and drive, we end up getting a lot more done. We end up feeling more energetic. We end up having a lot more positive emotions, having a lot less negative emotions. And just those two things, increasing positive emotions and reducing negative emotions, are going to have already just that itself is going to have a tremendous impact on our quality of life and our overall well-being. Having a sense of meaning and a sense of purpose can completely transform our life. And so this is the return that we're looking for in our investment, right? If we want to invest in a sense of purpose, 
we want to invest in a sense of meaning, the return that we're looking for on that investment, the positive outcome that's going to justify us allocating expenses to increasing and strengthening our sense of meaning and purpose, the return and positive outcome that we're looking for is increased positive emotions, reduced negative emotions, higher energy, greater focus, and ultimately greater well-being. That that's ultimately what it boils down to and, and a profound improvement in quality of life. And those two things, well-being and quality of life, will absolutely be improved and increased if we can strengthen and increase our sense of purpose and meaning. So that's the return we're looking for on that investment. So the question is, what is it that we need to invest? What resources do we allocate in order to achieve that sense of meaning and purpose? And where do we allocate them? Right? Because if someone tells you invest money in the market or in a market so that you can earn 8% on your investment annually and that that will grow and compound and you'll make a huge amount of profit over the course of your, you know, however long you spend building your portfolio. That sounds great. And it's probably relatively doable generally speaking, in the long term. But you have to know where you're allocating those resources. If you just pick a random stock in the market and invest all of your money into that stock, you may get really lucky, but chances are in the long term, you're not going to get as you're not going to do as well as you could if you invest smartly, if you invest your resources, invest your money into the things allocate those resources, allocate those dollars towards the things that are going to allow them to generate that return, right? You want to know where are you allocating them? Where in the market are you allocating them? What are you investing them in so that you can get that return? So the question here is, where do we allocate our time and our money so that we can strengthen our purpose and our our sense of purpose and our sense of meaning? so that our our life becomes more meaningful and our quality of life goes up and our well-being goes up and 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 life becomes more enjoyable more pleasant more far incredibly more rewarding where do we allocate those resources so the resources obviously are going to be primarily time and effort So what do we do with that time and effort? Where are we going to spend that time and effort so that we can generate this outcome, so that we can get this return? Where are we investing it? And this is what's going to be the most important. A sense of purpose is going to come, is going to be the automatic result of having a very clear, conscious awareness of why we're here. Because that's literally what purpose means. Purpose means our why. Why are we here? If we have a clear conscious awareness of why we're here, we will, by definition, have a sense of purpose. And the the deeply and strongly we understand that, the deeper and stronger that sense of purpose will be and the greater impact it will have, the greater return we'll get on that investment the greater the positive outcome is going to be on our well-being and quality of life and and, and on how rewarding our life is. 
in order to achieve that, and and it's going to be similar with meaning. The the way that we'll we'll achieve meaning is perhaps primarily by having a clear conscious awareness of the fact that we are a part of something infinitely larger than ourselves. Every single thing that we do contributes to something infinitely larger than ourselves, has a permanent impact and makes a difference for all eternity in something that is infinitely larger than ourselves. We are a part of infinity, ultimately, and everything we do makes a difference and contributes towards that. If we can have a clear conscious awareness of that throughout the course of our day, that brings immeasurable meaning to everything we do. And if we can achieve that clarity and conscious awareness in why we're here and the fact that the things we do contribute to that purpose and why we're here and make a difference and that we're a part of something infinitely larger than ourselves, we will have a profound sense of purpose and meaning. Life becomes it, it. Life doesn't become easier. Let's you know. Let's be frank. Let's be straight up. It won't make life any easier, but it will make life profoundly rewarding, and it will make a very, very strong positive impact on our well-being and quality of life. So the first step is we have to invest time and effort in learning, studying, understanding why we're here. And very simply, briefly, the reason we are here is to make the world a better place through every thought that we think, every word that we speak, and every action that we take doing the right thing. When we do the right thing, it makes a difference. It integrates divinity into the fabric of the physical universe that we live in. It makes the world more divine. It elevates our bodies, our souls, our environments, the people around us, and the universe at large. And we are here to make that difference. And every one of us has a difference that we can make that no one else can make. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here. So we are here to make a difference. We are here to uplift the world. We are here to introduce, to integrate the creator, to integrate divinity into the world through the thoughts that we think, the words that we speak, and the actions that we take. Acts of kindness, doing nice things, doing the right things, following the guidelines in the Torah. Every time that we do, we integrate divinity into the world and make the world a better place. And that's why we're here. We have a purpose. Our soul has a purpose. Our body has a purpose. Our life has a purpose. Getting out of bed in the morning has a purpose. Going for a run has a purpose. Eating healthy food has a purpose. Every second of every day, every part of ourselves, our environments, and our lives has a purpose. And it means something. It matters. It makes a difference. And spending time on studying and understanding, learning more about the the real differences that we can make and the impact that it can have on the world. Obviously, there's the physical layer, which doesn't necessarily take 
all that much study. Obviously, the more, you know, there's always better that we can understand it. But then there's the impact that we have spiritually, the impact that we have mystically. And the spiritual and mystical impact, make no mistake, has a makes a difference in the physicality, in the material world and in the material experiences of ourselves and the people around us. And on and on the physical universe, it does make a difference. And the better that we understand that, the better equipped we are to then really take the next step in actually allowing that information, the understanding of our purpose and our understanding of our role in the bigger picture in the universe and the difference that we can make, the role that that plays. Step number two is taking that understanding and really connecting to it and integrating it into who we are so that it's not just an idea that we understand academically, but it's part of the way that we see the world. It's part of the way that we feel about things. It It's it's the lens through which we experience reality. If we can take those ideas of, of our purpose, of why we're here and the meaning of everything that we do and allow those to not just be ideas in our head, but to integrate it into who we are as a person, that's when the real magic happens. That's when we start to not just understand that we have a sense of purpose and a sense of meaning, not just understand we have a purpose and that our actions, thoughts, words, our life, getting out of bed in the morning has meaning because just understanding the idea isn't going to help us all that much. The magic happens when we can really integrate the idea, these ideas and connect to them so that they become part of who we are. So what does that mean, practically speaking, right? What does it mean to connect to idea? How do we connect to an idea? How do we integrate an idea? And I would say that talking about it, first of all, I don't know, not really theoretically, it's not theoretically, it's practically, but it's, it's at a, let's say, less immediate or tangible level of practicality, is to think about an idea really deeply. Right, and in the purest form, this would be doing some sort of deep contemplation, some form of meditation, really, really spending time and effort to focus on the idea to to the point that we start to really connect to it and integrate it into who we are. Now, doing that, you know, doing this, you know, contemplating, meditating is much easier said than done. It can be done, but it's something that takes time and a lot of time over a long-term consistent discipline and practice to be able to really do that. It's a very difficult thing. You know, hashtag real talk. It's very hard to sit down and think about something deeply like that for more than, you know, four and a half seconds. (laughs) Practically speaking, let's be real, right? But there are things we can do to to do that tangibly, pra- practically in life today and tomorrow before we, you know, build up that that strength and discipline to be able to really focus on these ideas in in a you know in in a in a sort of that sort of way in that approach of contemplation meditation. And these are things that can be very effective. 
Ultimately, what we want to do is think about ideas, right? But thinking's not such an easy thing to do. But there are some things we can do to force ourselves to think, to make the thinking happen. And a couple of what I think are probably the best and most practical examples that are accessible to everybody are writing. You know, and this is why journaling is 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 becoming so popular because when we journal, journaling about gratitude, journaling about, you know, the good things in life, journaling just about our day and our experiences generally, when we write, writing is a tangible action that draws things out of our mind. It draws things out of our brain, right? When we write, it forces us to clarify ideas and we express them, which makes them accessible. You can have a thought in your head that you're not even aware that you're thinking. You can't write something down on a piece of paper without being aware of the fact that you're writing it and without being aware of the idea that you're writing. So when we write, it's a very practical, tangible tool to force ourselves to think consciously. So writing about why we're here writing about why the creator put us individually here, writing about the difference that we can make, writing about how and why the things we do matter. You know, and writing about it on a regular basis can be extraordinarily powerful. Writing for two, three, five minutes every morning, every morning and every evening, even better. You know, and, and, and we can come at it from different angles, but if we write about something that's related to our purpose and why we're here, write about something that's related to the meaning of our actions, of our lives, and, and super importantly is to do it consistently. You know, it's better to do it two minutes a day, three minutes a day than to do it for 20 minutes once a week. Doing it for three, four, five minutes twice a day, morning and evening even better, amazing. You know, spending a few minutes every day writing about these things and about ideas that are related to our purpose and and the meaning of our lives can very quickly have a very, very deep impact on the way that we look at the world around us, the way that we look at our lives, the way that we perceive and experience our lives and the sense of purpose and meaning that we have throughout the day and doing it consistently is an incredible investment in ourselves, an incredible investment in our well-being, in our quality of life, in how rewarding our lives are. And the reward, the return on that investment, the ROI on that is completely disproportionate. It's, it's, it's indescribably disproportionate to the to the resources that we're allocating, the resources that we're investing, the time and effort that we're putting in. And it is a lot of effort. It doesn't necessarily have to be that much time, but especially at the beginning, it takes a lot of effort to get started and to build up the habit and the routine. Once we build it up, it, it becomes easier. It does take less effort over time. But putting in time to think... And another one, just you know, before I tie it up, another tool that we can use to make ourselves think in addition to writing or an alternative to writing because not everybody likes writing is talking we can talk to a friend if you know if we're lucky enough to have a friend that's really close that that we can be open and honest and and vulnerable with and to talk about these things the way that we really see it and think about it and feel it 
you know, on a regular basis. And that may not be so realistic, especially if we, you know, want to want to aim for, you know, three to five minutes in the morning and three to five minutes at night right before we go to bed. Uh, doing it before bed is, is a really good idea because if if the last thing we do before we go to bed is allocate time to thinking about our purpose, why we're here and what our lives mean, if that's the last thing on our mind before we close our eyes to, and go to bed, that's going to be at the forefront and that's going to really have a lot of influence over you know, what our brains are spending time processing and marinating in over the course of the night while we're asleep. But that doesn't have to be right before bed, but you do three to five minutes in the morning, three to five minutes in the evening, obviously more is better, but consistent is key. Talk to yourself. You know, talking to ourselves, if you have a space where you can talk to yourself out loud in a room that's private, that you know you can feel comfortable it doesn't must be private but well, that was such a brooklyn thing to say it doesn't must be private that's terrible english but it's actually very effective it doesn't it, it's very clear about what it means it doesn't must be private it doesn't need to be private but realistically speaking for you to be comfortable to really do it to talk to yourself most of us are probably not going to be comfortable to talk to ourselves in front of someone else so if you have a place that's quiet that's private that you can be comfortable to just talk to yourself out loud Talk out loud, describe out loud verbally with your mouth so that your ears hear it about what life means to you, what your, what your, what your purpose is, why you're here, what life means to you, what you mean to the universe, what you mean to the people around you, the difference you can make in the world. And again, speaking forces us to clarify that it extracts it, it expresses it out of our mind and forces us to be aware of it and forces it to have an impact on us. And the time and effort that we invest, number one, in, in, in our understanding of why we're here and the impact and meaning of our lives and actions, and then number two, really connecting to that idea and integrating it into who we are with you know the deep thought, contemplation, meditation, or writing, journaling, talking, the time and effort that we in, that we allocate to doing that that investment is probably i would say maybe definitely one of the greatest investments we can ever make in ourselves one of the greatest investments we can make in in personal development in developing ourselves and in having tremendous and profound impact on our well-being, on how rewarding our lives are, and on our overall quality of life. Now, just before I get back to what the connection of all of this is to Tishabov, right? Because when we think of what Tishabov is about, it may be a little difficult to see the connection, but we're going to get to that. Just before we do, I want to remind you, this podcast exists on all the big popular podcasting platforms go to rabbiglick.link slash podcast and that link will give you the option to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform so now with that out of the way let's finish up let's tie this all up and talk about what's the connection of all of this to Tishabov, of investing in ourselves of allocating resources to developing ourselves to generate that positive outcome that return on our investment 
So the question is, what's Tisha B'Av about, right? On Tisha B'Av, very simply, in short, we commemorate the destruction of the two holy temples, the Bate Mikdash in Yerushalayim, the temples in Jerusalem. And the truth is here, it's a little bit different because when we described investment as allocating resources to facilitate a positive outcome that justifies allocating those resources, here I want to modify that a little when we're talking about Tisha B'Av and let's call it taking on an expense, accepting an expense to facilitate a positive outcome that justifies that expense, right? Let's reword that a little. And here, right, the expense that God accepted for himself and for us on Tisha B'Av, on the original Tisha B'Avs, was the destruction of the temple, right? The loss of the temple was a terrible, terrible expense. It was an expense for God and it was an expense for us. Right, The temple was the focus and the center point of our connection to the creator, of our connection to God through service in the temple. It brought focus. It allowed us to, through the various activities that we engaged in in the temple, to have a an experience of connection to God infinity to divinity to the creator that is unmatched by anything that we can have anywhere else in the world and today that we can have anywhere in the world because the temple doesn't exist anymore and we don't have that focus and intensity of relationship that we're able to have that's facilitated by the temple so the loss of the temple was a was a a extraordinary expense right And, and god lost out as much as we did God doesn't, the creator didn't want to lose that relationship that we're able to have, the relationship that the focus of the temple facilitates. This is a terrible expense, a tremendous expense, but God clearly allowed it to happen, right? So this was an expense that God accepted, that God allowed. If God allowed it to happen, there was a reason. What's the return on this investment? What's the return on this expense that God was looking for? The answer is that, you know, we pray in prayers when we pray Shachos Min three times a day. The one thing that we ask for, that we refer to, that we pray for more than anything else is the building of the third temple, the return of our people to Jerusalem. To Jerusalem, Yerushalayim, Yerushalayim, the, the city of peace. And... You know, if you allocate resources, if you invest money in the market and that you get back the amount of money that you put in, that's not a good investment. You can loan money to someone and it's nice to loan money to someone to get back what you lent. But if you invested money and you got back what you invested, that's not a good investment, right? If God allowed the temples to be destroyed, there had to be a reason that was good enough to justify it. There had to be an outcome that was sufficiently better that justified their destruction. So the experience that we will have in the third temple, right? And, and, and the way that it's summed up in the prophets is it says that 
the world will be re- will be filled with recognition of divinity like the water covers the seabed right in the time of the third temple we will in the time of the third base English we will experience divinity we will see divinity everywhere we look we will see infinity everywhere we look we'll experience and be aware of infinity and divinity in everything and that experience is something to look forward to that experience is something so powerful and profound and will be so incredible that it will justify the destruction of the first two temples to allow us to get there to the third temple So the destruction of the first two temples was an expense that the creator accepted because of the return on that expense, on that investment, because of the positive outcome that would be so much better that it would justify that expense. So really the underlying theme, the the overt theme of Tisha is the destruction of the temples. The one of the powerful and important themes that underlies that is the fact that the creator, that God has allowed, has been prepared to pay a tremendous price. And it's an expense and a price on God's part. And it's a price on our part because we both lose out with the lack of focus in this, the focus and, and depth of connection that the temple facilitated, that the, that the Bate facilitated. And God allowed this loss, this expense to be incurred because it was worth it, because of the return on that expense, because of the return on that investment, because it will be worthwhile. It will be so profound and incredible that it will justify the expense, it will justify the loss, and it will be make them without question worthwhile. So a very important underlying theme here is the idea of investing in the future. The idea of incurring an expense or allocating resources because the outcome of that expense or allocation of resources will be so powerful and rewarding that it will justify the expense or the allocation of resources. This is a a very important theme of Tishabov. And bringing it back to what we were talking about before, translating this idea of Tishabov, that God accepted this expense to be allowed, this expense to be incurred because the ROI made it worthwhile, translating that back to ourselves, right? And it's not as, it's not simple or easy, right? What, a, a, a huge proportion of the population doesn't invest financially, right? In their in their finan- long-term financial well-being. Probably the two biggest reasons, I would say, I think that these are probably, these are the, would undoubtedly be the two biggest reasons are a lack of education and awareness. And number two would be the fact that, right? When you allocate resources, when you invest money in companies, in markets, in funds, whatever it is, you don't have that money available to spend now. That's an expense, right? When you invest the money, you don't have that money available to spend now. That's a cost. That's an expense. That's a loss. And some people are just not prepared to lose access to their money in order for it to grow and generate long-term wealth, right? So, and and that's one of the reasons that a lot of people don't generate wealth that they could if they would invest effectively, 
because in order to generate that wealth, you have to invest. And investing requires losing access to your money for the duration of the time that it's invested. So that return can only be generated if you're prepared to accept that cost to allocate those resources. And it's the same thing here. We can absolutely, every one of us is able to strengthen our sense of purpose. Every one of us is able to strengthen our sense of meaning. And the return on that is incredible, is incredibly profound. Life becomes far more rewarding. And our well-being and overall quality of life increase dramatically. But it requires an investment. It requires allocating time and effort, neither of which is easy for most of us to allocate, right? Most of us today are short on time and putting in effort is never easy. takes effort, right? By definition, obviously. It's not an easy thing to do. It's not, it wasn't easy for God to allow the temples to be destroyed, but because it was worth it in the long run, God accepted that expense and allowed that price to be paid. Because of what the ROI that we stand to achieve, to receive, to generate by allocating time and effort to clarifying our awareness of our purpose and meaning, and then connecting to that and integrating it, if we are prepared to allocate that time and effort, to invest that time and effort, the ROI is unimaginable. This has been the Tishabov episode of the Bites of Judaism podcast. If it hit the spot, please leave a five-star rating and a review and tell your friends about it. The ratings and reviews, especially in iTunes, really do make a difference. So please take the two minutes to do that. If you haven't subscribed yet to the podcast, you can subscribe now on all the major platforms at rabbiglick.link slash podcast. If you would like to dedicate a future episode of the podcast, please send an email to podcast at rabbiglick.com. See you next time.